This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec, the podcast that keeps you updated and educated. Hello and welcome to Tech Guide, episode 539. Great to have your company once again. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen. My name is Stephen Fennec. I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, Netflix customers are fired up, myself included. The streaming giant is set to ban password sharing. I'm going to also talk about my electric vehicle dilemma that could see me turn my back on Tesla and the Australian government initiative uh, to provide free NBN for up to 30,000 families. In the Tech Guide Reviews, we're going to take a look at the Samsung Galaxy S23 Ultra. Uh, we're also going to look at how Uniden's new AppCam Pano camera can beef up your security and how AI is taking over search in 2023. And we'll answer all of your tech questions, of course, in the Tech Guide Help Guest. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, the company that keeps you connected, and Norton, the company that keeps you protected. Well, Netflix is the most popular streaming service out there at the moment, and they are introducing a new new policy. Well, it's not a new policy. This has apparently been in their terms and conditions for quite a while now, but they're going to crack down on password sharing. Now, I know my good mate Trevor Long and I had a nice little battle over this on our Two Blokes Talking Tech podcast. If you haven't heard that, go and listen. He fires me right up. There there have been developments since this, so I'm not going over too much old ground here. Uh, if If you want to hear the Two Blokes previous episode of two blokes i think he's even labeled it steven gets upset the uh that was that was quite funny but i did get upset and as a lot of other people are getting upset about this policy now just to give you some background here they they've already introduced this is the the news that's come out of this this is new the the policy is now has been officially introduced in canada new zealand portugal and spain already in place so in those countries, if you are accessing a Netflix account outside the main household, you're going to receive a message to say you will need to set up your own uh, your own account. So what Netflix want to do is keep the account within the one household. Now, password sharing, apparently, a lot of people do it. Millions of people do it. And in what what I pay for with Netflix is to have four simultaneous streams in 4K and up to five profiles. So I pay my money every every month without fail. They take my money, and now they're going to restrict the way that I use this. I'm totally against this. I think this is wrong. I think that I pay my money, and it shouldn't make a difference where I access the stream as long as I paid for it. I'm not stealing it. They can't, they're trying to tell me I can only watch it in one location. And we're, we're a mobile society. We, we go everywhere. We travel. We, we move around during the day. We're not always sitting in front of a TV in, in our house. So Netflix, yeah, while they're 
they're they're doing pretty well. They they had they hit the panic button a little bit in the beginning of 2022. They lost 1.2 million subscribers, the first time Netflix subscribers had dropped in a decade. So they hit the panic button with everything they had, and they trialed this password, the ban on password sharing in much of South America. And this was, of course, to pump up their numbers. They wanted more money. They wanted more subscribers. Now, at the end of 2022, they gained, by the end of that year, 10 million subscribers. So they were back even better than they started the year and generated $31 billion in revenue, $31.6 billion to be precise. So the objective of this was to pump up numbers, pump up profit, and that happened. Now, they are, there are 209 million Netflix subscribers globally. And the, the word is that 100 million people who watch Netflix have shared their password. And I'm pretty sure the people listening right now are either the main householder that's, that's lent that someone else access their account or is the one copying the free Netflix from outside the main household. I've got two kids that live out of home. I've got three kids. We've got everyone of us has got a profile. They no longer live under this roof, but they can still access the Netflix account that I pay for. It's me still paying for it. So here is the dilemma, I think, for Netflix, where this this is coming to Australia without a doubt. It's in New Zealand. In New Zealand, the fee for the to create a sub account to for each user outside your home. It's $7.99 New Zealand, which is about $7 Australian. So let's say $6.99 it'll be here in Australia. So if you have a per, two people outside your household, you could be paying an extra $12 on your Netflix account to keep those people on your account or those people will be forced to get their own account, which they, I don't think they've introduced the ad-supported uh, tier yet, but they'll be paying like $10, $12 a month anyway. If they, and then they'll be able to create a number of profiles where they live. So there's even restrictions, would you believe, on travel? That's one of the questions I've had the most about Netflix is what about we, we want to travel, we want to log in, we've got an Airbnb for two weeks, we want to log into our Netflix account. Oh, no. Well, you're going to have to get a special passcode to access your account outside where you live. And they know where you live based on your IP address. So what you're going to have to do, according to according to what we're hearing about this upcoming change, is to get a one-off code to allow you to access your account on holidays for up to seven consecutive days. Hello, Netflix. People travel longer than seven days. Hello. This is another ridiculous part of this, this stupid change that Netflix are forcing upon us to pump up their bottom line, to satisfy shareholders and to put people's noses out of joint, mine included. Now, the sentiment around this has been largely negative. A lot of people are saying, stuff Netflix, I'm out, they can keep it. And you know what? I'm tempted to do the same. And yet I'm sick of people telling me on Twitter and all these other social, oh, no, you won't, you'll pay the money, you'll do it. Watch me. We'll see what happens. So don't, don't assume that, that I'm going to cop this on the chin because this is something I think that's completely wrong. 
I'm paying my money to watch this streaming service. I should be able to watch it wherever the hell I want. If I'm if I'm stealing their 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 content, of course they could come down on me. Of course they could penalize me, but I'm not. I'm paying for this content and I should be able to watch it wherever the hell I want, whether it's in front of my TV at home, whether it's on a holiday, whether it's in another house for with my children or my family members are accessing my account that I paid for. Now, if they don't want to have four consecutive streams in one account, then change it. Give me a cheaper plan that allows me to have all that access and reduce the reduce the cost per month. I'll go straight down to that level. But they won't do that. They want to keep the money. They want to keep charging me the full amount. And that, that that's what's upset a lot of people. And you can probably tell it's upset me as well. I don't know what you think about this. I think that it's uh, it's going to come back and bite Netflix on the you-know-where. And I'm thinking that Disney+, Plus, Paramount+, Plus, Stan, all these other streaming services, people are saying, oh, they're going to do the same. They're going to see how this goes. Netflix is going to be the crash test dummy for all of them. They're going to see that people are going to cop this suite, pay the extra money. People are going to create extra accounts. And then all the other all the other streaming services will do the very same thing. Well, I think that is that it's at their peril. If I'm the boss of Disney Plus or Stan or any of these other streaming services, I'll say, no, we're not going to do that. Netflix are going to be the big bad wolf here. We're going to keep it exactly how it is. So if you want to watch if you want to share your password among legally among your five profiles, it's not like I've hacked the system and created an extra profile that I'm not paying for. If you want to do that, I hope these other streaming services don't go down this path because it's un-Australian. I know Netflix isn't Australian, but this is a price gouge is what they're trying to do to us here. So if, if there was a place where I could express my my unhappiness with this decision, apart from this podcast, you've probably heard me on the TV and on the radio talking about this. I uh, I think this is the beginning of the end for Netflix. If, if they want to go after us like this, and try to squeeze even more money, squeeze even more subscriber numbers, then I think there's going to be a reckoning ahead and a lot of people are going to probably leave this behind. Worst possible time ever, by the way, for them to, to spring this on us. We've had seven consecutive interest rate rises. Cost of living is through the roof. Petrol is like, it's like buying a house every time you fill your car. So then, then Netflix tossing their little bit, an extra log on the fire here. I think it's going to be the thing that a lot of families are going to be scrubbing off their budgets. So we'll see how that one turns out. You want to read more about this story, see all the facts for yourself, and you let me know what you think about this. Hit me up on Twitter, at Stephen Fennec. That's Stephen spelled with a PH. Hit me up on Twitter. I might start a poll to see whether people will, will, will accept this charge, accept the change or not, whether they'll leave their account. You let me know on Twitter if you could. I wouldn't mind writing a follow-up story to get your reaction on, on, on this whole thing. You can read that story at techguide.com.au. Keeping you updated and educated. Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. Well, there's another thing I'm going to fire up about, and that's about my next electric vehicle. Now, if listeners of this podcast and two blokes with Trev uh, know that I've been driving a Tesla for nearly five years now. And 
Uh, I, I love that car, best car I ever owned, and I want to buy another one. My lease runs out in a, in a couple of months, and what I'm going to do is sell my Tesla and then hopefully get another electric vehicle. My situation, though, is a little bit tricky at the moment because the follow-up, the, what, what I assumed was going to happen was when Tesla uh, announced the new Model S back in 2021. So they stopped delivering the this Model S, the regular this current Model S in Australia nearly 2 years ago. And they announced the new Model S which has some changes inside and out. And I ordered my new Model S in August 2021. So you do the math there. It's been more than a year and a half since I placed that order. Now, originally, they said deliveries expected end of 2022. Well, here we are in early 2023, and there is no sign that Tesla are about to start making the right-hand drive Plaid Model S. I'm not getting the Plaid, like all the bells and whistles. I'm getting the long-range version of that of that car. So it'll still be the new model, but it won't be going zero to 100 in 1.2 seconds or whatever. I'm happy I'm happy to go to take 2.9 seconds to go zero to 100. Thanks very much. But still, that model is no, not available in right-hand drive. I've seen them. I've been to the US twice this year already, and I've seen them everywhere, especially in California, uh, in LA, in San Francisco. I see a lot of them. But their left-hand drive, they haven't decided to make right-hand drive. Now, my understanding is that Tesla's factory in Shanghai, which is currently tooled up for Model 3 and Model Y, they that's the factory where all the deliveries for Australia's Model 3, Model Y orders are coming from. So it makes sense. They're building them in Shanghai, shipping to Australia, short, short, sharp trip. Meanwhile, Model S and Model X, and my Model S was built in Fremont, in just outside of San Jose, and they are only producing right-hand drive model, uh, sorry, left-hand drive Model S's and Model 3's and Model Y's for the US market. So here we are in our little, little backwater of Australia, uh, customers, Tesla customers uh, in limbo, wondering what the hell is going on. Now, in my case, my lease is up in May, end of May. So what I planned to do all along was to sell my car. I'm going to probably put it on the market in March, April, and I'll take that money, pay off what's left owing on the car, the, the balloon on the car, and I'm expecting to that it'll sell for way more than what the balloon is on the car. So I'm expecting to take that money and put it towards the next car as a deposit. And in this case, I was assuming and hoping that it would be the new Model S. It looks like we're going to be waiting for quite a while for the Model S. So there's a couple of ideas that I had. One idea was to still, um, there's the, the thing, the constant is my car has to be sold. So I either sell it and pay it off, get and take the profits and put that in my bank account. That's going to happen no matter what. Now, whether I get a new Tesla is another story. I don't want to downgrade to a Model 3. I like the Model S. I want to keep driving a Model S. And my thought was, though, as a bridging, to sort of bridge the gap between me selling my Model S and the new Model S being released, my initial thought was to rent a Model 3 for 
six months or nine months or however, however long it's going to take for the new Model S to arrive in Australia for my order to be delivered. Because I've already got the Tesla charger here. I've got access to a lot of destination chargers and superchargers near where I live. So I thought that would probably be the least painless solution short term for, to keep me in the Tesla family. But I had another thought. I'm now starting to look at other brands of electric cars. And if you think back five years ago when I made the decision to drive an electric car, there weren't a whole lot of choices to make. Five years ago, it was Tesla and barely anything else that was uh, available for me to drive. And I made the decision to buy the Model S and I loved it. I, mean, I, I continued to like it. I still want to drive the new one. And so that was kind of a no-brainer decision back then. But now, five years on, there are so many more choices for a customer to make, for a driver to make. If they, I'm, I'm not going to ever go back to driving a, a fuel car, a petrol, ever again. I'm only ever going to drive EVs from now on. And now I'm looking at some other brands because they've now caught up. Their, their range now includes a healthy number of EVs. I'm looking at... Polestar, I'm looking at MG, I'm looking at Porsche, I'm looking at Audi, I'm looking at Mercedes-Benz, and they now have some pretty impressive electric vehicles, which are, frankly, slightly cheaper than the Model S that I've ordered, and and with a lot, lot of features, a lot, lot of great things, uh, attractive uh, improvements in the car and, and, and features to, to maybe get my business. I'm seriously looking at other vehicles now. And if, if, it's, if it's because Tesla can't honor an order made nearly two years ago, then that's on Tesla. I'd love for, I'd love for that vehicle to be ready. I'm, I'd be they'd had me at hello. I'd say, right, I'm ready to go and upgrade to the new Model S if it's ready. But if if the I've heard I've heard worst case scenarios where it won't be probably till 2024, 25 before the Model S even sees the light of day in Australia, the new the new model. And that's horrendous. So I'm faced with a I need to do a bit of more homework, I need to sort of do a bit more investigating on what the situation is at Tesla. But in the meantime, I'm gonna go and test drive the Polestar. I've already driven the Polestar, I quite like it. I'm going to go test drive the Mercedes-Benz EQE. I, I had a, a Mercedes-Benz E-Class before I moved, got into my Model S, my Tesla Model S. So I'm a fan of Mercedes-Benz. I had four Mercedes-Benz before I bought my first Tesla. So that could be an option. I'm, I'm looking at the Porsche Taycan as well, although I suspect the car seems a little bit too small for me. It's a lot smaller than the Model S. Um, I, I've even received a call, I think, about – about a year ago, this was so it was say six months after I'd placed my order with the new Model S. I received a call from Tesla offering if I wanted to to change my order and get into a new Model 3. So a Model 3 performance, or the guy was saying, Look, we could easily transfer your deposit into a Model 3 if you want if you change your mind. I said, No, mate, I want to wait for the Model S. And I said, he said, Okay, that's up to you, but you know, if you if you change your mind, you want to go to Model Three, we can we can look after you there. And I went, no thanks, I'm going to wait. And I even received an email. I remember when I placed my order. My order, I think we placed in on in August 2021. 
And I remember a couple of months later receiving an email saying they've or they've stopped taking orders, new orders for the Model S. They said that we're going to freeze the new orders coming in. We're going to honour the price that you that we've agreed on in that in when I uh, uh, when I spec'd up the car and paid the deposit, which I think that's the the of course they're going to do that. So this was another indicator that they'd kind of been overwhelmed with the number of orders and that there may be some sort of delay. Now we're only two months past the the expected delivery date. But from what I'm hearing, it's it's going to be a little while yet. Could be three months, could be six months, could be a year. Uh, we don't know. And and no one, I, I look online and there was a story, I think, that someone had spotted a new Tesla uh, in the wild up in Queensland somewhere. So so if does that mean that they're going to build right-hand drive? I, I, I understand some European countries that are right-hand drive have been notified about deliveries in March. So I'm thinking, well, March, that's just next month. Is it going to be, when will Australia, will it be in another six months, eight months? I don't know. That's why that little short-term rental period with a Model 3 might be the, the bridge the gap. And I can still, if I decide to to quit Tesla, I can still get into another brand in six months' time. They're not going anywhere. But uh, yeah, it's very, it's very confusing and frustrating. I like to sort of know what's coming up to be able to plan ahead and be able to get all that stuff into place and also organize organize the the money and the lease and everything like that. So I want to I want to get that sorted out also. But you can understand my frustration and the possibility that I may no longer be a Tesla driver if this delay continues. There is a new federal government initiative to provide free NBN for up to 30,000 families. So the Australian government, uh, they decided uh, to provide 12-month plans for eligible families with school-age kids for them to have free NBN services. Now, reading between the lines here, this is obviously aimed at families that are that are struggling financially, that are doing it tough for, for various for whatever circumstance. But the bottom line is they have a school-age child that doesn't have access to the NBN, and let's face it, a student needs uh, to be able to connect to the NBN to be able to use as many resources in their education as they can. So here is the government kicking in 4.5 million to support the initial implementation and delivery. While meanwhile, there are the, the the initiative also includes several retail providers like Aussie Broadband, Belong, Exitel, Lemonade Broadband, SkyMesh, Superloop, Vodafone. They are going to provide services for free. So they're also out of pocket to ensure that these disadvantaged families, they, they can provide an NBN connection for their school-aged child. Now, to be eligible, a family has to have a student in a, from, from either first year of primary school all the way up to year 12. And they also, of course, have to have no active NBN service, otherwise they won't qualify. Now, how this is determined, the families are selected by participating schools 
educational authorities, charity organisations like the Smith Family, Catholic Network Australia and Catholic Education WA because they're probably first point of contact for families where they know they're doing a little bit tough and they can provide them with this service. The initiative will offer 50 megabits per second fixed line service, uh, SkyMuster Plus services if families are living in remote areas and all plans will have a either a very large data quota or unlimited data for that particular plan. So uh, good to see that these students who need the internet, let's face it, if you're at school, you have to have the internet. You need to use it for your studies and to help you get through your homework and all those sorts of things. So I think uh, hats off to the Australian government and those participating NBN providers for getting behind this worthwhile initiative. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Netgear. They're Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. If your home demands superior Wi-Fi, treat it with a masterpiece in connectivity. Bring your Wi-Fi up to speed with Orbi Wi-Fi 6E from Netgear. Orbi Wi-Fi 6E is the first and only Wi-Fi 6 quad band whole home mesh system opening an exclusive all-new 6 gigahertz superhighway that's fine-tuned to deliver unprecedented Wi-Fi speeds and smoother streaming simultaneously across the smart homes of today and tomorrow. It's Wi-Fi perfectly engineered. Wi-Fi 6E, the fastest Wi-Fi ever. Find out more at netgear.com.au forward slash best Wi-Fi. And now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennec. The reviews, we're kicking off this week's reviews with the Samsung Galaxy S23 Ultra. It's out this week. It's out on Friday, which happens to be my birthday, ladies and gentlemen, February the 17th. Same birthday as Paris Hilton and Michael Jordan, I'll have you know. But that is the launch date for the Samsung Galaxy S23 Ultra. But you know what? If you've pre-ordered the phone, you've probably already had it for a week. It's uh, I, I was hearing from friends and, and readers and listeners who had pre-ordered. They, they, the day that the pre-orders opened, they got their orders in. And within, I think, five days, they'd receive their order. I think the earliest I heard, a friend of mine, she received her phone last Tuesday. So that is a full week and a half ahead of the official launch date. Now, Samsung had apparently all the stock for the phones were already in the country even before the the launch the launch event in San Francisco. So they were good to go with the pre-orders. If you've pre-ordered, you're probably listening to this on your brand new Galaxy S23, 23 Plus or 23 Ultra. I've been using the S23 Ultra since the launch in San Francisco. So nearly a couple of weeks now. And I've got to say... Probably one of the best phones I've ever used in terms of power, performance, battery life, and the camera. We're going to go through all of that now in the review. And uh, Samsung have an advantage here because they're the, they're the first big company to launch a flagship device. So, of course, you've got Apple and these other companies, but it's mainly Apple that's their main opponent here, okay? So we're not going to see an iPhone until September. So not that there's a lot of crossover. I can't see, and this happens, but it's probably min- minuscule. There would be people who think, you know what, stuff and I'm buying a Samsung. 
They've left their iPhone behind. And you know what? Vice versa, there might be people on Samsung or Android saying, stuff it, I'm buying an iPhone in September. That could be happening. So I think for Samsung customers, for Android customers, this is like grand final week. This is the big flagship device running Android, made by Samsung. We need to sit up and take notice. And the S23 Ultra, which is uh, starts at 1949 bucks really does set a new standard for smartphones. Now, initially, we I saw the phone and I'm thinking, eh, not much of a change in design. So slight tweak there, which I'll talk about. And then I sort of looked at, oh, yeah, okay, the camera's been improved. And, oh, hang on, there's a new processor that's designed just for Galaxy. And, oh, hang on, the bat- same size battery, but the battery lasts a lot longer. It's a bit snappier. It can do things that the S, even the S22 couldn't do. So when, when you look at it, the, the, a lot of the changes are under the hood. I think it's a lot of customers expect the phone to be radically different design-wise every single year. I just don't think that's feasible because it's not really practical because companies simply can't just change the design every single year. That's why it's, it's probably like a three to four, five-year cycle of design. Like I think... When, when we first saw the iPhone 6, that was kind of the first return to a curved edges. Like iPhone 4, 5 had the flat edges. iPhone 6 had the curved edges and that sort of familiar design. Well, we saw that for the iPhone 6 and the iPhone 7 and the iPhone 8 and the iPhone 10 kept the same shape, just got rid of the home button. iPhone 11, so how many years is that? Then iPhone 12 was the first year that they'd had a massive design change. Samsung's going through a similar thing right now where the design is not going to change radically. The S23 and 23 Plus are slightly different to the the S22 and S22 Plus. There's no longer a big big fat camera bump on the the back of the phones. That's disappeared. In, In terms of the S23's design, the only changes that I noticed was that the edges are slightly flatter. So that's to potentially facilitate another extra millimetre of screen space. And the camera array on the back panel is actually larger. So the the lenses themselves are larger and they extend further down the back of the phone. So I've got a side-by-side picture. I've done a video as well if you want to watch that. Uh, I've got the S22 and S23 Ultra uh, side by side, the S22 and 23, yeah, together there, just to show you. Even the differences in the colours, the green of the S23 Ultra and the S22 Ultra are completely different. They are different shades of green. Uh, so that they're mainly the they're the basically the only changes that I noticed that that are actually exist on the phone. But performance wise, I think this is where it kicks up to another gear. It's the Snapdragon 8 Gen 2 chip for Galaxy. So what Samsung's done, they've formed a partnership with Qualcomm, who's the company behind Snapdragon, and they've decided, you know what? Well, let's you give us our own unique silicon for this this phone, and we'll be your best friends. It's like Apple now make their own silicon, and it it makes sense because. Apple always have run their own software on their own hardware and now running on their own on their own silicon 
means they control it end-to-end. It can provide a better experience for customers. So this is as close as I reckon Samsung's going to get with that kind of arrangement unless they come out with their very own chip, which I, I can't really see happening. Snapdragon are more than happy to provide the world's biggest man- phone manufacturer their very own chips that's different to everything else in the market. I think that's a smart move on Qualcomm's part, smart move on Samsung's part as well to set themselves apart even further from the competition. And that power is easier to demonstrate. If you're a gamer, I reckon the S23 Ultra will be your new favorite device because it can run all these games really well, really fast, really smooth. And there's, you know, there's even vapor chamber cooling and everything that you'd find on dedicated gaming phones that is now aboard the S23, just so that the it doesn't heat up too much in case of the higher processing involved in playing these games. I played Call of Duty, I played Asphalt, so really, really uh, smooth uh, gameplay there. I even compared a Sony PlayStation 5 controller via Bluetooth to the phone and was able to use that controller on the phone as well. So that it's in itself was awesome. Uh, and, and of course, with the ability to process high-end games, that tends to set a good benchmark for the performance when using it for work applications and other other applications to you know for productivity and creativity. So it does really tick all the boxes in terms of performance. But you know what? The probably the biggest change and probably the most talked about the I think the selling point of this new device, the new S23 Ultra, is the camera. The camera has had a a significant upgrade in the Ultra. It now has a 200 megapixel wide angle uh, camera amongst the the 12 megapixel ultra wide and the two 10 megapixel telephoto cameras. Uh, The S23 and S23 Plus, they, they max out at 50 megapixels, their main cameras. And they have the same 12 and the same two, uh, the same uh, one extra 10 megapixel telephoto as well. The and the the S23 Ultra not only has that 200 megapixel uh, resolution, but also has the 100x space zoom as well. And if you take a look at my review on Tech Guide, and if you watch my review on YouTube, which is also embedded in my story on Tech Guide, I really take you through some images that demonstrate the power of the camera, both the 200 megapixel mode, because you can take photographs, you need to choose to be capturing 200 meg, uh, or you come down to 50 meg, depending on, you take 200 meg photos all the time, you're going to be using up a lot of memory because that's a massive file. So that's why you can you can come down to 50 megapixel, which is still a great photo. If you're taking a shot of a person in front of you or whatever, a selfie, you don't need 200 megapixels of that for that. Uh, but I did, uh, on in my review, I did take a picture of uh, the Anzac Bridge in, the, in 200 megapixel mode. And you'll see the advantage of that is you can print out a large image if you ever just get around to printing a photo off your phone, or you can crop in and still get a really sharp image. Now, if you look at that photo on on my review on Tech Guide, uh, you'll see that the the long shot, which is zero zoom, you'll see the Anzac bridge is off in the distance in the middle of the photograph. Then you'll see the next photo is me zooming in pretty aggressively to the top of the bridge, and you'll see... You can, you can see for yourself that it's still quite sharp 
the, the cables off the top of the bridge, the flag on top, you can still see a lot of detail and it's really, really crisp. And even zooming right into the flag, it is still a sharp image with no blurring, still pretty clean, still pretty crisp. So that's quite an extreme crop on a 200 meg photo. That is phenomenal. I'm so impressed with that. And typically, Samsung cameras tend to be a little bit on the warm side. They sort of, they do a little bit more to pump up colors and uh, they still have that clarity, but they tend to be very generous on the color representation. They're very green, very blue, very red, which I like. You can actually, there's a setting on the phone. You can turn that off if you don't want that. If you want to be more neutral, there is a setting that, that allows you to choose that. Uh, but let's talk about the zoom now. And again, two demos I've put on my review on Tech Guide. Now, I was in San Francisco for the launch of this device and was walking around in San Fran for about four days with the phone. I thought, what better place to showcase the Zoom than here in San Francisco? And I took one of my shots is of Alcatraz. If anyone has been to San Francisco, Alcatraz, the, the used to be a prison, Alcatraz Island is a must-see, great, great little, uh, great thing, to, uh, a, a travel option, uh, to enjoy that, a really good thing to do if you're in San Francisco. You, do, you you catch a ferry, you do an audio tour. The audio tour is all the guards and former prisoners talking to you about life on the on the rock. Uh, so must must do if you're in San Francisco. But I was at Fisherman's Wharf and decided I'm going to test out this Zoom. So the first image you see, you can barely see Alcatraz in the middle of the photograph. So I'm on standing on Fisherman's Wharf across the water from the island. Now. The next image you'll see is probably a 30x zoom, and you can see the island now quite clearly. It's nearly, nearly uh, the, the width of the island is nearly taken up the full frame, and even here, still a very crisp, sharp image that's taken, don't forget, from the shore. Now, the next one up is, I think, about 70, 70x zoom, and this is so clear, you can see the detailing on the building on Alcatraz, the detail on the tower, the details of the rock and the different shades of color and shadow from the shore, don't forget. And the very last one, which is the maxed out 100x zoom, is just a shot of the tower. And you can see that still pretty, pretty clear, pretty sharp. I've seen worse from a phone but don't forget, this is 100x zoom taken from a quite a distance away. There is another example. I took a photo of the Oakland Bay Bridge from the San Francisco Ferry Building, which is a popular spot on the water there. And again, you see the long shot. Then I zoom right into one of the pylons and then right to the top of that pylon, you can see all the detail, all the shadows, all those little, all that, those little objects and and you can pretty you can make out quite clearly what it is. That is incredible. Big big tick for Samsung right there. Done a terrific job. Now one other mode of photography that uh, is included with this phone is well they've always been all about nightography and being able to take photos in low light. And again, they've got a new technology called adaptive pixel technology. So what this does, it can combine up to 16 pixels into one so that it means the lens can draw even more light. So a bigger pixel means a bigger sponge to soak up the light and it means more brightness, more color, more light in your photograph. And it's stunning 
how much light this thing can can draw in from near dark environment, near dark conditions. Now I tried the astrophoto mode. Now the astrophoto mode is basically it's a long exposure and then it stacks the photos for you. So rather than if if it's a long exposure and and you're going to see some movement, but what it does and this is similar to astrophotography. I'm into my astrophotography, and what what I do, if I'm photographing a target for three hours, what I normally do is take like five or five-minute exposures or 10-minute exposures and then stack them all together. I've got a mount that can account for the movement, the rotation of the Earth, so that all my photographs are pin sharp, but when I stack them together, together they get there's a lot better color and brightness and, and detail when I do that. That's exactly what the Samsung Galaxy S23 Ultra is doing as well. And this is, by the way, available. This feature is available across the whole range of the S23 phones. So the ability for it to stack the photo, so it takes a photo, then another photo, then another photo, stacks them all together, helps keep the photo sharp, helps keep the photo bright, adds to that the bringing more color and light into your photograph as well. Now, the shot that I was on Tech Guide, I did take that, uh, the, actually, the, the shot on Tech Guide, I took freehand. I'm, I've got like the steadiest hands ever, but all the other shots that I took uh, with night mode, I, sh- I used a tripod just so that I wouldn't uh, have too much movement. But I just I just fluked this amazing handheld shot where if you look closely, there is a slight movement, but I've got the hands of a surgeon, I think, after I took that photo. It was so steady. But all the rest of my photos, I thought, no, I need to get a tripod. So, look, this camera, uh, and look, I haven't even spoken about the video side of things. The video, this can shoot great 4K video. It can shoot, I think, up to 60 frames a second on 4K. Has a improved optical image stabilization. So, running along, it's like the, the phone's in a gimbal. So, it, it really smooths it out as well. So, really crisp and steady. But you can also shoot 8K. 8K video at 30 frames a second. So, if you own an 8K TV... Shoot some 8K video on this and you'll be able to see every single pixel from your phone, from the Samsung phone. Now, uh, I think Ridley Scott, they, during the launch event, Ridley Scott said that he actually made a film using the S23 Ultra. And you wouldn't in a million years pick that this was a phone a phone shot movie. It looked amazing. So imagine what you could do. You'd be able to produce some pretty cool content with this phone. Now, lastly, we're going to talk battery. And again, massive, massive tick here for the battery performance. It's the same 5,000 milliamp hour perform, uh, capacity, same as the S22 last year, the Ultra. But what's different is the Snapdragon chip. The Snapdragon for Galaxy has created this amazing power efficiency. And that's now, that, that's also what Apple's got. That, that's their secret source too. Apple's own silicon really leads to better performance and better battery efficiency. iPhone, I haven't heard a single person complaining about iPhone battery in the last three years since they've been, since the last three models where they've had their own silicon with bigger battery capacities. And it's the same now for Samsung. Samsung have nailed this. This battery life lasted two days. I'm not exaggerating. Two days. And I'm talking using this as my phone every day, calls, texts, social media, reading my email, sending stuff, doing everything with this phone, calls, you name it, everything, two days of battery life. Absolutely remarkable. It's all due to that new efficient uh, battery, the efficient chip. 
S23, S23 Plus have, I think, 200 milliamp hour extra capacity on their batteries. And they're going to enjoy the same kind of difference here because of the same improvement because they've got the same chips running in those devices as well. Let's talk price. The Galaxy S23 Ultra, as I said, starts at $1,949. Now, that gives you 256 gig, 8 gig of RAM. You can go up to 12 gig of RAM, 5, 12 gig of storage, 2249. And if you want to go all the way to the top, 12 gig of RAM, one terabyte for 2649. That's up there with iPhone, Pro, Max, all the bells and whistles pricing. Uh, the S23 starts at 1349 bucks. The S23 Plus starts at 1649 bucks. And the the storage capacities on all their entry phones have doubled. So you're, they're 100 bucks dearer than the S22, but you're actually paying the same price for the same amount of data, to the same amount of storage that was offered a year ago. So it's basically stayed the same price. The S23 is available in four colors, phantom black, cream, green, and lavender. I had the green. I reckon that's probably the best color. Black, I wouldn't mind. I don't mind the cream either, actually. So cream's not too bad. But uh, as I said, Full review on Tech Guide. Check out those photos I was talking about, the zoom in on the 200 megapixel and also the 100x zoom, uh, the cropping, I should say, on the 200 megapixel, but also the zoom up to 100x. Remarkable stuff. You'll be very surprised with, with the results there. Uh, so the the S23 Ultra, I think, probably the, the smartphone to beat right now. I think this is tremendous. It, it does, uh, the camera is phenomenal. Battery life is excellent. Uh, really great power and performance, uh, whether it's work or play. And I haven't even mentioned the S Pen. The S Pen is still there, hasn't changed from the S22, still uh, allows you to write on the screen, annotate documents and images and stuff like that. So if you're a fan of the S Pen, it's still with the S23 Ultra. And uh, I think probably, as I said, one of the one of the smartphones to beat right now, power, performance, camera, battery life is superb. So make sure you also watch my video too. So click on the link on techguide, techguide.com.au and not only read the review, check out those photos, but have a look at my video. Wouldn't mind you watching me in action there, my video review, which can also be found on our YouTube channel. You want to read that in uh, that, the complete review of the S23 Ultra, check it out, techguide.com.au. If you want to beef up your home security, then I think you need a security camera. There's a lot to choose from at the moment. There's 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 Arlo and Swan and all these other brands, Eufy, but there's also Uniden, and they've got the new Uniden App Cam Pano. Now this is two a two lens camera that actually uh, stitches up to 170 degree field of view. So really, where you place one camera, this camera to cover that amount of space, that that field of view would re previously require two cameras. So if you've got a wide area, then the AppCam Pano is just what you need. There's also, of course, a built-in spotlight. So the spotlight is uh, something that it comes on if it detects movement, so it can really deter intruders, which is good. If someone sees a light come on, you think, well, I'm out of here. And the, the, the light coming on also tells them, you've been caught on video, pal. If the light came on, you're on video. So smile for the camera. So that's another great thing there. The spotlight has 440 lumens brightness. So it's pretty bright. 
170-degree field of view. Now, the camera has a built-in battery, which will last about, ooh, I think about 120 days on a single charge. But guess what comes with it? A solar panel. So you connect the solar panel, aim it towards, I think, the east, I think is what you're supposed to do anyway. Aim it towards the sky so the sun will hit it at some point. And you'll never need to recharge your battery ever again. It'll keep this battery topped up so it's a set-and-forget solution. So it's a completely wireless solution here. So you've got a battery power. It's connected to your network, so you'll get notifications. Uh, there are smart notifications as well, so it can detect whether it's a person, a vehicle, uh, an animal. And you can get either save the the movement notifications, those recordings on the device itself with a micro SD card. They also offer Unity and have a cloud service also. I think for free, you get seven days of cloud backup. If you want more, you need to probably pay a few bucks and get on a plan. So that really helps to keep track of things. Uh, so yeah, it also has things like color night vision and it's, it's really responsive too. It's got AI built in and that's what actually powers the ability to make out the difference between people, animals, and vehicles, and to also provide that correct notification. What I like too about the Uniden cameras is they've also got thermosense. Thermosense, you means it needs to detect not only movement, but also heat, so that you know it's a person, you know it's a car, you know it's an animal, rather than you getting a notification of the tree swaying at the end of your yard. That's not what, that's not what you want, or a car passes on the street. They're the sort of false notifications that the Uniden will not send you thanks to that thermosense. The AppCam Pano is priced at $599.95. It is their top-of-the-line device, uh, and it's available through Uniden and through some store through stores. Has a 3K, so six megapixel resolution, uh, and it has either SD card or cloud backup as well. Color night vision, AI intelligent alerts. You can even trigger a siren. There's a built-in siren. If you see someone poking around, you can uh, hit the siren button and that'll scare the bejesus out of them. Uh, also has motion detection control and you can even black out areas within the camera's view for privacy. There might be areas that you don't want to keep filming, maybe your neighbor's yard or some other private areas. You can actually mask those areas out as well. The Uniden AppCam Pano, 595 $599.95 and you can read our complete report at techguide.com.au One thing you're going to be hearing a lot more about in 2023 is AI and in particular AI search. Now we know last week Microsoft announced they have a new Bing search engine. So they've re-released Bing, but it's AI-powered now. Now, Microsoft, massive investor in OpenAI, the creators of ChatGPT, they dropped $10 billion investment into the company and now using that platform to beef up the Bing search. So Bing can not just give you a, a just a list of results, they can actually provide results that make sense that actually rather than you having to string through and click on five, five, 10 links, it'll tell you what you need. So if you're looking for cooking instructions for these things where it can answer you because it knows this 
and has artificial intelligence rather than just serving up a whole list of links for you to click through and hope to find what you're looking for. And like open, uh, like ChatGPT, you can also use it to uh, to create content. I think you talk to it, you type in your search like you're talking to it. So you think, oh, show me the the best cake recipe that doesn't that I can replace eggs with something else, and it'll give you not only the search results, but it'll tell you how to do it. It'll say, well, here, here, here's how you do it. Here's what you can do. Here's how to do it, and it'll give you the search results as well. So it's taken search just a one step further ahead. Now, Microsoft aren't the lone ranger here. You've got to remember there's Amazon, there's there's Meta, Facebook, there's, there's, there's Google, the king of search, but they're also coming out with their own version of AI and they've got a technology, I think it's going to be called Bard. Bard is another name for, is what they used to call Shakespeare. Shakespeare was the Bard, he was the poet. And that's what uh, Google's decided to call their chat GPT rival. So you can imagine Google search now being backed with these added AI features to be able to bring material into complex qu- queries. So uh, thing, things that you're searching for. So again, rather than just giving you a, a, just a list of links and, and resources, it'll tell you things. It'll, it'll If you're looking for a, like, how do I... How do I um, walk my dogs with it without um, them barking at other dogs or whatever? Whatever you want to know, it'll come up with an answer. There might be stories written about it. It'll come up with the answer. Now, my worry here is that I still want to come up in a search. Tech Guide, I pay good money to be uh, for search engine optimization to, to figure in a search. So I'm hoping that that won't, that won't be affected. So when people look for smartphone reviews, smart TV reviews, all these things that I rank for, I still want to be able to get those clicks. But if AI can answer questions like, you know, how do I turn the volume up on my phone or how do I, how do, I do this and that, these evergreen stories that I've written on Tech Guide, if it answers it instead of it linking to Tech Guide, then that could be a situation where I'm, I'm not going to get those clicks. Google's just going to cop it at the front there, take it all themselves, and hopefully list the search results down below as well. But it's going to be an interesting journey, this one. AI and search, I think we were at the start of a exciting slash scary period of our lives where it is frightening how well these things can write. And look, who, whose job are they threatening? Like if it's potentially mine because I, I write for a living. So if something can pump out something that with, with less effort and, and less money, then that could be an issue. But still, there are limitations. The AI still looks like it's written by AI. It doesn't have quite of the human nuance and the human emotion to it. So it's only going to get better though. That's the frightening thing. Will we be able to distinguish the difference? Time will tell. If you want to read more about the Bing search engine being powered by AI, you can check that story out at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Norton. They're the company that can keep you and your family safe online. It's a new year and our digital generation continues to see a rise in cybercrime and data breaches. Don't leave your devices without protection 
or your personal information open to exposure. It's time to have a plan to keep your devices and personal information protected. Save your time and money should the unthinkable happen and your devices are at risk to cyber threats like malware, ransomware, or viruses, or your personal information being exposed to cyber criminals looking to trade your details on the dark web. Introducing Norton 360 Platinum with device security, a VPN for online privacy, parental controls and identity protection with dedicated restoration support and dark web monitoring. You have a comprehensive plan in place to help ensure your information stays in private. It's peace of mind for your devices and your identity. With Norton 360 Platinum, if you become a victim of identity theft, you'll have access to their dedicated identity restoration specialists to help you address your identity theft claim and help you resolve it. Norton 360 Platinum is available now at Harvey Norman, JB Hi-Fi, or online at au.norton.com. All your tech questions answered. This is the Tech Guide Help Desk. The Tech Guide Help Desk brought to you by our friends at Belkin, belkin.com forward slash AU. They've got a number of Apple accessories, cables, portable batteries, MagSafe products, stands, laptop stands, you name it. They've got the accessories for you. Check them out, belkin.com forward slash AU. I had a really interesting call on 2GB yesterday. I was uh, on my regular segment with Mike McMichael McLaren. And a listener rang up and asked, look, what is the best and definitive way to make sure no one can access the data on a hard drive on a computer that I'm throwing away? I want to throw it away. I want to recycle it. What's one way to guarantee the old hard drive can't be accessed by anyone else? And I said, you know what? Easiest and popular way to do this if you want to avoid – anyone being able to use that drive again and thereby not being able to access because there, there is technology that can, they can unerase stuff off, off drive. So if you want to definitely and definitively not have that happen, the solution is to drill a hole in it. This is the one way that you can destroy the hard drive and that way the, there's zero chance of anyone being able to access that the potential data that could be retrieved off that hard drive. So if you've got power tools, use them. If you want to destroy your hard drive, now this is for the older style hard drives, so you need to locate that. It's basically a spinning silver platter. Uh, once you've found that, it's normally like a silver rectangular box that it's inside, a little uh, container there, a little housing uh, and yeah, dr- drill to your heart's content through that, or if you want to maybe put it through a, I don't know, a hacksaw or, a, or a, maybe a power saw, maybe not the power saw, drill would do the thing. Just a couple of holes in it, and it's totally destroyed. No one will be able to access your data ever again. And that's the end of our show for this week. Thanks for hanging around. If you need to find out about anything we've spoken about, you will be able to read it at techguide.com.au. And if you want to get in touch with us too, we'd love to hear from you. Info at techguide.com.au or click on the Ask Stephen icon and that will generate an email for your query. We'd also like to give a special thanks to our great sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and also Norton, the company that can keep you and your family and your devices safe online. Please support the great sponsors who have been supporting 
the Tech Guide podcast for many years now. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back with another show next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected. 